You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, if you came in today and you weren't able to receive a handout and you want to take some notes for the service today, we have some extras. If you want to just raise your hand, we'll get one to you. If you need a pen to jot some things down, we'll get one of those to you as well. But uh, again, I am so excited about the Word. I love the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? I love worship. I love the Word. I love the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad for all three And, uh, you know, but I love the written Word of God. I want to just remind you, this isn't on your notes or part of our uh, series per se. This is an end end result of this series. And here's what I believe, and the Lord dropped this in my heart weeks ago when we were starting this series of messages. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 20 that after Jesus spoke to the disciples before he ascended to heaven... This is when he he told them to to go into all the world and preach the gospel and then told them about the signs and things that would follow believers. And then uh, after he ascended, it says in verse 19, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and then they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through signs following. And so I believe as as we teach on healing, I believe for people to be healed. Amen. That is the will of God for your life. And so I want to encourage you, you know, you listen, I will pray. I will believe God with you, but uh, you don't have to have that. The word of God works and you can receive healing just by simple faith in the word of God. Amen. But let's look at our foundation scripture and it is found in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, and this is what we're basing this series on. First of all, let's say this. Say this after me. Jesus is the healer. He is the healer. Amen? All right, so let's look at this. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, Peter summarizing the ministry of the Lord said this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so we have over the previous weeks, we've been talking about how healing is the will of God. We talked about how Jesus bought and paid for your healing. Healing is an established fact. We talked about how healing is not a promise of, uh, in, in the New Testament. It is a fact of your redemption, just like Salvation is not promised to us. Salvation is a fact. It's already been bought and paid for. Jesus went to the cross. He paid the price. He was dead, buried, and raised from the dead. And so the scripture says that he was crucified once and for all. And so the price has already been paid. So salvation was something promised in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it is a fact. And the good news is All you have to do is simply receive what has already been accomplished. Well, the other part of that is that in our package of redemption, 
that Jesus included healing with that. The Bible says in Isaiah that, that uh, he uh, took up upon himself our sin, our iniquity, and then by his stripes we are healed. So healing is a bought and paid for fact. So healing is definitely something that belongs to the New Testament believer. And so we began talking about last week a couple of different ways there are many subways, if you will, um, but there are two main ways that God works where healing is concerned. The first one is simple faith in God's Word, as I mentioned to you a moment ago. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So where you just simply believe God at His Word and believe that Jesus paid the price and you can simply receive that healing in your physical body just the same way that you receive salvation. The other way that God ministers healing to his people and even healing to lost people is through a healing anointing that comes on someone through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the good news is if you're in an environment where uh, the anointing is present to heal, just like God anointed Jesus, then you can receive a healing, your healing, through that anointing. But here's the flip side to that. If the anointing is not present, God's Word always works. I said God's Word always works. Now, I want today to be super, super practical. If you're familiar with uh, our church at all, and most of you are, uh, you know that I endeavor to be as simple and practical as I possibly can because I believe that's the way the Bible is. How many of you know people are what makes the Word of God complicated? You know, we're the ones that complicate our relationship with God. God's His desire and His, His uh, reaching out to us and ministering to us is really very simple. So, and ironically, I did not... Um, realized that in the video for worship uh, that they were going to talk about the story of the woman that was healed that had the issue of blood, but that's what we're going to start out by looking at today. So if you're looking at your notes, let's read the story for in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, where it talks about how this woman was healed under the ministry of Jesus, and we're going to extract from this story some principles that you can apply to your life. And by the way, these principles will work in any area that you desire to receive from the Lord. It works in healing. It works in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It works in receiving God's provision in your life. So these things will work in whatever area that you desire for them to work in. So Let's read this. Here we go. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power, there's that healing power that was on him, had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched 
my clothes. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. The old King James is more accurate, actually. It says, be whole of your affliction or of your plague. So Jesus ministered healing to this woman, but the good news is Jesus did not initiate the healing. The woman initiated the healing. And so we're going to see what she did today because, you know, and I've been in churches and there's nothing wrong with these songs, but, um, you know, we, we would sing songs about Jesus touched me, you know, please come by and touch me and all this. Uh, I'm glad this woman didn't have that kind of attitude. Notice she did what it took to get to Jesus and she touched him to receive from him instead of waiting for him to come to her. Can I get an amen? All right, so let's break this down. Let's see how this healing transpired because you and I, as I said, we can apply these same principles to our need and receive from the Lord. So if you have your hand out there, Write this down. Here's the first thing that she did. She heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. Now, we know Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us faith comes how? So it comes how? It comes by praying for it? No, it comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're going to have faith, in your faith to grow and develop, then you must have the Word of God on whatever it is that you need to receive from the Lord. And so, I don't know, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically, but the Bible says that she had faith to be healed, so apparently she heard Jesus is and was a healer. And she heard that that there was hope and the impossible situation that she was facing, that Jesus could heal her of that situation. And so, so the first thing she did is she heard of Jesus. So, you know, we said early on in this series, and, and uh, I mentioned it to you, and it was one of the points, but, but I don't want you to ever forget this. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Say that with me. Say, faith begins where the will of God is known. So what that means is you cannot have faith beyond what you absolutely know in your heart is the will of God. The reason you got saved is because you found out, somebody told you that it was the will of God for you to be saved, that God didn't want you to perish, God didn't want you to step off into eternity and spend it in hell, but you could receive salvation and be born again. So you were confident in the fact that it was God's will to save me. Well, the good news is it is God's will for you to be healed. And so as we go to the Word of God, there's two main reasons. This isn't in your notes. This is free. This won't cost you anything. But there's two main reasons that you need the Word of God on the subject that you're praying about and that is this, number one, so you can know what the will of God is, 
And then secondly, because there is going to be a fight of faith as you contend for what you are believing for. First uh, Timothy, Paul wrote and he told Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. So when you have the word of God on the matter, then you know what the will of God is and then between amen and the time you're, the manifestation of that prayer shows up, you have the word and you can stand on that word and you can contend for whatever it is that you're praying about. So let's look at First uh, John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. John wrote in his epistle, he said, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Everybody say confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, say anything, okay? Is any need covered in anything? Okay. So this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I will say this. I believe in, in all my years of pastoring and then, of course, uh, what I have seen and, and heard other ministers say, probably the number one obstacle to people receiving healing in their body is not being confident that it is the will of God for them to be healed. I'd say that's probably number one. They might believe God is able. You know, again, I told you if i have done a survey went over to the mall and walked around with a clipboard and said, do you believe God can do anything? Oh, yes. Yes, pastor, I believe God can do anything. Well, do you believe that he will do it for you? Well, I don't know because I know what I was like or I know how I am now. I'm not sure he would do it for me. Well, see, you're not sure you know God is able, but you don't know that he's willing. And you need to be convinced in your heart that God is willing to heal me, just like he is willing that I be saved, okay? So this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, how many of you want God to hear you when you pray? Okay, he just told you how. Pray according to his will. Where do you find his will? Right here in the book. And so, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions or the things that we have asked of him. So John just gave you a 100% guarantee on how to get your prayers answered every single time. You know, sometimes, how many of you know sometimes uh, in, with believers and with prayer, and by the way, there's many types of prayer, but I'm talking right now about praying and receiving from the Lord. Uh, a lot of Christians believe it's like going to Las Vegas and, and you know, playing the, the slots or whatever you do that uh, you might win and you might not. And so if, if it's your lucky day, you might get your prayer answered. Okay, that is not the way to live as a believer. God has promised us that if we will pray and believe according to his will, which is his word, then we can be guaranteed that he hears our prayers and he will answer our prayers. It's a guarantee. You can take that to the bank, all right? So, 
What did this woman hear about Jesus? If she heard about Jesus, what did she hear? We know that according to Jesus, she was healed by her faith. So faith in the healing ability and the will of God, it was present in Jesus and she believed that because she heard that. We don't know if somebody came along and told her that or we don't know that Maybe she witnessed some other people being healed. We don't know exactly, but we do know that she heard of Jesus. Verse 27 tells us that, all right? So we know that she heard, so faith was present, all right? Now, here's, here's step or principle number two. She heard about Jesus, and then she said what she was going to receive. She said what she was going to receive. Look at this in Mark 5, 28. For she said, if, I may, if only I may touch his clothes, I'm a hoping and a praying, huh? I shall be made whole. She spoke what the end result was going to be. Oh, I could never do that, Pastor. I, I just, yeah, you can. You can. If your faith is based on the Word of God, then you can say with your mouth what the end result will be. All right? So she said with her mouth, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made. And actually, the old King James again says it this way, I shall be made whole. Now, I've said this to you. Let me kind of jump ahead and I'll say this again. When she said that word or that phrase, I shall be made whole, that goes a step beyond I shall be healed. Because think about it. What all she lost because of this infirmity. The Bible says that she had been sick for 12 years. The Bible says that she had spent every dime that she had. So we can assume because of her physical condition, uh, the, the Old Testament law declared her unclean. So she was not really allowed out in public. She was not allowed to have a job. She was not allowed or, or maybe was restricted in her relationships, maybe with her family, her neighbors, her friends, whatever the case might be. So we know already she lost time, she lost money, she lost relationships. We don't know the full scope of all that that disease cost her, but her faith was, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What does that mean? That means I believe not only will I be healed of this disease, but I believe everything I lost, God will restore back to me. That's great faith right there. No, getting healed is wonderful. But when you're believing God that everything that you lost because of a certain situation, whether it's physical, maybe, you know, you got in a bad business deal or whatever, and you lost a lot because of that, God is able to restore what you have lost. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's the truth, all right? Now, let's jump ahead and let's think for just a moment. So she said, if I, only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. 
What did Jesus tell her after she told the story and everything? Woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. She got exactly what she believed. Can I say this to you? You will get exactly what you believe. You believe for a little bit, guess what? That's what you'll get. If you believe for healing, guess what? That's what you'll get. But if you believe to be made whole, guess what? That's what you will get. Am I helping anybody? So it was real important that she say this. She spoke her faith and what was going to happen in her body when she came into contact with Jesus. Now, we said this to you last week, and that is this. Faith is released or put into action first with your words. Um, your faith, excuse me, let me say it this way. Your words are an outworking of your faith. You know, it do some of us some good to be quiet. I had to do that when I was uh, in Bible school. You know, I... Uh, I've told you a little bit about my life as a teenager, and, and uh, you know, I, I didn't have the cleanest mouth in the world, and so I had to deal with that issue. But then if I got nervous or in an uncomfortable situation, my, my thing to address that was to talk. I, I don't think I'm the only one in the room maybe that's guilty of that, okay? You know, you get nervous, and so you either try and joke around or, you know, you talk a lot or whatever the case is. And what I had to learn to do was to control my tongue. And I had to learn that, uh, you know, and, and this would do you good to know this, you don't have to put words to every little thing that crosses your noggin. You don't have to put words to every thought that comes into your mind. Sometimes we need to learn to be quiet, Okay. Because you don't want to undo what your faith is working with the power of God to produce because or by your words. Your words will either, either release your faith or your words will shut your faith down. Okay? Proverbs chapter 18, verses uh, 20 and 21, Solomon wrote this. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The, another translation says this. They that love to talk need to be willing to deal with the consequences. <laughs> so anyway, praise the Lord. That's all I'll have to say about that. But faith is released or put into action first with your words. You must declare what it is that you believe. All right, look at Mark chapter 11 and verse 23. Jesus said this, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Have you noticed that in that verse, saying is mentioned three times, believing is mentioned once. So it's apparently very important what you say and how you release your faith. So this woman heard the word. 
She heard about Jesus. Faith arose in her heart, and she dared to believe that, and she began to declare with her mouth, if I can just get to Jesus and touch him, I shall be made whole. She released her faith by her words. And then what happened? Well, we see the next thing that she did, number three, write this down. She then acted on what she believed. She acted on what she believed. She heard, she said, and then she acted on what she believed. Mark chapter 5 and verse 27 says this, that, that when she heard of Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, you know, those half a, or 10 words maybe, whatever it is, we kind of forget and we don't really think it through. You need to envision what really happened here. Again, this woman is a Jew under Old Testament law because of the physical conditions she had. She was not supposed to be in public. She was not supposed to be out touching people. She was considered unclean. She was supposed to be at home, just minding her own business. But what she did is she took a step of faith and risked it all. Did you know that if she had gotten caught, she could have been stoned to death legally? And matter of fact, if you read the whole story in its context, what was going on here was Jairus, who was a religious leader, had Jesus on his way to his house to heal his daughter. So there was a religious leader standing right there that could have ordered her stoning. But she was willing to act on what she believed and press her way to Jesus so that she could be made healed and whole. So she acted on what she believed. She put actions to what she had believed with her heart and said with her mouth. This is why it is so important, and I'm not in, in any way uh, instructing you to be foolish, but here's what I am saying. When you are believing and releasing your faith for healing in your body, begin to do something you could not do before. Think about this with me. Every time Jesus ministered healing to someone, you remember uh, the man that was paralyzed that was on the cot and the, the four friends lowered him down into the room in front of Jesus? What happened? Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. What if the man had laid there and said, I can't, Jesus, I'm paralyzed? Okay, he heard, but there was no action. In other words, I believe his healing showed up when maybe he began to move an arm that he couldn't move before. Maybe he moved a finger that he couldn't. He was paralyzed, remember? And so he took a step. He did something that proved, I believe what was just spoken to me, that I can take up my bed and walk and so maybe he began to move his little finger. And when he did, that simple act 
of faith released the healing power of God. And the Bible says that he jumped up, took his whole bed, and he walked out carrying that cot. I think about in uh, Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John were coming out of the temple and there was the man that was laid at the gate beautiful who had, the Bible says he had been impotent from birth, meaning he uh, was unable to move himself and transport himself from being a, a little infant child. And every day somebody would bring him and lay him at the gate so that he could beg from people and uh, ask, uh, you know, for people for donations. And so he saw Peter and John coming out of the temple and uh, Peter looked over at him and perceived that, that, that healing power was present and the Bible says that he reached over and he took the man by the hand and he told him, he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, rise up and walk. And when he took the man by the hand, what if the man had snatched his hand away and said, I can't. Don't you know I've been laying here every day all of my life because I can't walk? No, what happened? When he reached out to take the hand of Peter, the Bible says that the power of God came on him and he jumped up, he leapt, and he began to shout and praise because he was healed. How many times do maybe we miss out on what it is that God is wanting to do in our lives? Faith might be present we might be even saying the right thing, but because we won't take a little step towards whatever it is that we're believing for, we shut down the power of God. Let me bring it into another arena. Y'all don't mind if I teach a little bit, do you? Okay, I'm going to anyway. Um, you know, if you're believing God to, for, for God's blessing and prosperity in your life, which is that, that is the will of God for you to be blessed to have all of your needs met, okay? So as you're believing that and you're confessing that and you're standing in faith, you know the Bible says when you're a tither that God will pour blessing into your life that there shall not be room enough to contain it. Well, why don't you take a simple step of faith and maybe go open you a savings account? You know, listen, it doesn't take much these days to open a savings account. It used to be $100 or $1,000, but now you pretty much can open one just, you know, cuz. <laughs> and so what, why don't you take a simple step of faith because you're creating room for God to be able to pour more into your life. Am I helping anybody? Okay, take a simple step and act on what you believe. James chapter 2 and verse uh, 18 in the, the Weymouth translation says this, Nay, someone will say, you have faith, I have actions. My response would be, prove to me your faith apart from corresponding actions, and I will prove mine to you by my actions. You know what? You don't have to necessarily go be broadcasting everything that you're believing God for. When you start taking some corresponding actions to what you believe, your faith will speak for itself. Um, I'm going to be real transparent for a second. Can I do that? Y'all sure? You, will you still love me after? No, you don't go. Oh, no response. Crickets. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm believing God that one day I will be married. 
Hallelujah. Okay? I shared this with you a few weeks ago, but for uh, all of my adult life, I slept in a twin bed. How many of you know that won't work when you're married? Okay, maybe you've tried it. I, I don't know. I can just imagine. I haven't tried it, but I can imagine that won't work. So what I did, and I told you the story about how I believed God for a queen bed and God provided it and so forth. Well, the underlying motivation was that right there because I knew that if I was not making preparation to get married in that little step, then, then I needed to do something. I needed to put some corresponding action with my faith. And so what I did is I believed God for a queen bed to make some room. Hallelujah. And God provided. And now I'm waiting on the next part. Okay, but anyway, I, want you, I wanted you to see that it's important. It is not enough to believe and confess the word of God in your situation. There must be corresponding actions to accompany your faith. Now, here's where people have, have gotten over into foolishness. If you're believing God for healing, let's say, for, uh, let's say you have high blood pressure and you're believing God for healing uh, from high blood pressure, and let's say you're on medication for high blood pressure, do not throw your medicine out. That's foolish. That's not faith. That's foolish. Continue to take your medicine and believe God that I am healed of high blood pressure, and when you go to your doctor, let your doctor find out that the healing power of God has been at work in your body and let him adjust your medication. Because uh, I know of somebody that uh, had asthma all of their life from a little child till they grew up to be an adult. They, they heard the word of faith and heard that they could be healed of their asthma and unfortunately, they threw out, threw out all of their asthma medication and liked to have died. If it hadn't been for the power of God, they would have died. And so what happened, though, is because they thought they were in faith, they were in foolishness, but they thought they were in faith, and because it didn't work, now they don't preach that healing is for everybody. And you don't want to be in that situation, all right? So she acted on what she believed. Here's number four. After she heard the word, she believed it, she said what she was going to receive. Number three, she acted on what she believed. And then number four, she received what she had believed in her heart, said with her mouth, and acted on. She received it. It says in verse 29 of Mark 5 that after she did all of that, it says immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. So she received what it is she believed in her heart, said with her mouth, and acted on. Now, here's where some folks miss it, okay? Listen to me carefully, all right? An important thing to remember is that the feeling and the healing followed the believing, saying, and doing. Let me say that again. An important thing to remember is that the feeling and the healing 
followed the believing, saying, and doing. Now, why am I emphasizing that? Because a lot of people want the feeling and the healing first, then they'll do the believing, saying, and doing. It doesn't work that way. Because why do you need to believe for something you already have if you're already healed? Okay? Notice what the Scripture said. It says in, in verse uh, 29 that immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. Then she felt it, and she felt that she was healed. So she believed it, she said it, she acted on it. Then she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague or that affliction. Okay, so the believing, the saying, and the doing comes first. All right? That would not be faith at all if it was the other way around. It's the, say, the believing, saying, and doing that always precedes the feeling and the manifestation of it. All right? So here's the next thing she did. Number five, what did she do next? She told somebody about it. She testified about it. You know, I was thinking the other day, and uh, I don't think that, it, and I'm, you know, responsible at least for this church for this, but um, I don't think we do testimonies enough. You, you remember old school testimony, <clears throat> excuse me, testimony services? And I think one of the reasons that, that we ministers quit doing it is because people don't know how to give a testimony. <laughs> you know, you get people that stand up in the service and say, y'all know the devil's been busy. Bless his holy name. Okay? That ain't a testimony. A testimony is when you testify about what God has done in your life. All right? So we know that she told the story because we have it in the Gospel of Mark. And it says that she fell down at the feet of Jesus and she told everything that had happened. So if you want to testify and you want to tell somebody about what God has done in your life, that's a testimony. Another part of a testimony is who gets the credit? Does Jesus get the credit? That's a testimony, all right? So maybe we'll pick up and we'll start doing some more testimony services, all right, at some point. Now, what I want to do is I want to very quickly go through another story in the Bible because I want you to see that these principles are not unique. They're all throughout the Word of God. So let's look at what happened. Anybody ever heard of a guy named David? Anybody ever heard of a guy named Goliath? Okay, well, let's see what happened in the story of David and Goliath. So we'll go through this quickly. So if you're taking notes, write this down. We know that David knew about his covenant with God through Abraham. You remember when he rolled up on the scene in 1 Samuel chapter 17? Here was Goliath out there on the field of battle, mocking and making fun and ridiculing the armies of Israel. And just the Bible says he would curse them. And he'd come out and do this for every day for 40 days. He did this all, all for hours and just taunt the armies of Israel. So David rolls up on the scene and his first question was, who is this, and notice this, pay attention to the details, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would dare to defy the armies of God? In that phrase, David identified 
This guy is not part of us because he doesn't have a covenant. When he's called him an uncircumcised Philistine, that means he is not part of the covenant family, implying I am, we are part of the covenant family. So David knew about his covenant that he had through his predecessor, Abraham. So David had heard the word. He heard the word and faith was present. Write that down. David heard the word and faith was present. Then we know the next thing David said is after he rolls up and he finds out who this is and you know, he has some conversations with his brothers and then he has some conversations with some of the other soldiers. And uh, so then David did this. Number two is David said exactly what was going to happen. He said it before he ever experienced it. Let me prove it to you. First Samuel 17, verses 34 and 36, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. David was bad. Your servant has killed both the lion and... By the way, and he's a teenager at this point. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has defied the armies of the living God. All right, then he said over in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 46, then David said to the Philistine after he got out there on the battlefield, he said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, here's what's going to happen to you. This day, everybody say today. Today, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. That is some big talk from a little bitty guy about my size. He did say he was really good looking though, kind of like me. But anyway, the, the, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. In other words, God and I are getting ready to handle business and you're fixing to see what God is going to do. So David said exactly what was going to happen, all right? Why did he do all this? So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. All right, here's number three. David acted on what he believed. David didn't just believe it and say it. He acted on it. We see the first thing that he did was in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He went and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, you've heard it said, maybe, the reason that David went down and gathered five stones is because Goliath had four brothers. David was really getting ready to handle stuff. And if Goliath's brothers showed up on the scene, he was going to take care of them too, he and God. But notice what he did. He acted. He didn't say, well, I'm just waiting on God to show up. 
and then I'm going to do something. No, he went down and he started gathering some stones. By the way, you can, there are videos on YouTube. There is a brook in the middle of that valley where, and they still could go down there and, and pick up round stones from the same brook that David would have picked up these five stones from. It's really cool. All right. So then in 1 Samuel 48 and 49, David acted. He said, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David that David just kind of shuffled a little bit, hemming and hawing, waiting on God to move. No, the Bible says that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David was acting on what he believed. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. How many of you grew up in Sunday school and heard David killed Goliath with the stone? That is not how David killed Goliath with the stone. What did David say was going to happen? I am getting ready to take your head off of your body. Knocking him down and killing him with a stone is not take your head off your body. Okay, remember, David said what was going to happen. So if you get out and you read the Bible for yourself, you will find out that all the stone did was stun Goliath, knock him to the ground, and David ran up and took Goliath's own sword out of the sheath and cut his head off with his own sword. He did exactly what he said what happened? Then number four, David received his victory. We see it here, 1 Samuel chapter 50 and 51. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, again, this dude is nine and a half feet tall. David is a little guy about my size or smaller. So this is, this is awesome. Absolutely, I love this story. Absolutely awesome. So what did David do after he received his victory? Remember, he believed it. He said it. He acted on it. He received his victory. God prevailed, and he was able to walk in the victory. The last thing is... David told the testimony of what God had done that day. Now, he did it in kind of a graphic way, but it's still cool nonetheless. Here's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 54. The Bible says, David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and had show and tell. He's walking around with that head saying, look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord did. Look what God did. Then he put his armor, because David took the armor of Goliath and he put it in his tent. Now, if you'll read through history, the Bible says that the sword and the, the armor of Goliath ended up in uh, the village where the priests lived, was kept there, because David ended up getting the sword again later on in his life. Another story. But I want you to see the way that David testified was he walked around town carrying that head. 
just carrying it around everywhere it went. Now, I heard this is something that won't cost you anything. This is free. Um, does anybody know where Goliath was from? He was Goliath from Gath, G-A-T-H, which was a, a town, a village in the, in the town of, or the area of the Philistines, right? Okay, so he was from Gath. Well, legend has it, Jewish tradition has it, that uh, the head of Goliath was buried outside of Jerusalem. Anybody know what the place was called where Jesus was crucified? It's called Golgath-uh. Tradition has it that that hill that Jesus was crucified on was the place where Goliath's skull was buried. That's why it was called Goliath of Gath, Gal Gath, uh. That's free. That won't cost you anything, all right? All right, let me show you this real quick and then we're done. So we saw how the woman was healed with the issue of blood using these five principles. We saw how David obtained his victory using these five principles. I want to show you. Anybody in the room born again today? Okay, I want to show you this is how you got born again. Here we go. Number one, you hear the word of God, the gospel, and you believe it in your heart. Faith arises when you hear the gospel. Faith to get saved arises in your heart. Number two, you confess with your mouth that you believe. Now, all this is found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. All right, you believe that in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Number three, you act on what you believe by making Jesus the Lord of your life. You either figuratively or literally bow your knee and declare, Jesus is now Lord of my life. Why? Because you're acting on what you believed and what you said. Number four, you receive your salvation. Now, you may not feel anything. I know when I got born again, I didn't feel anything. I didn't have honey dripping down on my head. I didn't see any angels, nothing. I just prayed a simple prayer, believed the gospel, confessed with my mouth that I believe Jesus was dead, buried, and raised from the dead, and I said, Jesus, you're now the Lord of my life. And when I did that, I received my salvation. Now, here's something that's very important that I encourage everybody that gets born again to do, tell someone about what God did for you. Tell someone. So all these five principles, you hear the word and you believe it, you say it, you say what the end result is going to be, you act on it, you receive it, and then you testify, you tell somebody about it. Now, I, I, I can say this without fear of contradiction. If you will do those five things where anything receiving from God is concerned, you will receive the results. Have I helped anybody today? How many of you are going to do what we've talked about today? Act on it. Act on it. Now, what we're going to talk about in the weeks to come is, so what happens, what do I do in the meantime, so I, I do everything you told me, Pastor. I prayed, I received it, and I said, Amen. 
but nothing changed. What do I do between the amen and the manifestation of my prayer and the answer showing up in my life? What do I do? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in the lessons to come. Amen? Did you get anything out of this? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for the word of God and how we can go to your word and we can study, we can receive, we can believe. And Father, I believe that if we will do what the word says, we will get the results that the word promises. And so, Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus, every single person that is under the sound of my voice today that the word has been sown into their hearts, I believe that word will produce, that harvest will come from that seed. Jesus called the word a seed. And Father, I believe for that seed to drill down deep into their hearts and to produce the desired results. Father, I know that there are some in here that are believing God for different things. They're praying. And, and Father, I believe that as they will apply these things to their lives, apply them to their prayer life and believe they will receive the results. Father, if there are people in here that need healing, I believe and agree with them, Father, for healing in their bodies. If there are people here, Father, that need your provision, I believe every need to be met. And Father, I believe that your word is true. You're not a man that you should lie and that your word will not fail in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for it today. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands for a moment and just thank God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I thank you that you're the same Jesus that healed this woman of the issue of blood. I thank you that you're the same Jesus that healed blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. I thank you you're the same Jesus that raised up Lazarus. I believe you're the same Jesus that healed Peter's mother-in-law. I believe you're the same Jesus of the New Testament. You are the same Jesus today that you were then. And Lord, I thank you that it's still your desire for your people to be healed and whole, to walk in the fullness of what you have bought and paid for. And Lord, I just thank you and praise you today. We worship you as our healer. We thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer, the same way you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Lord, we thank you for that. We bless you today. We honor you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing in our bodies. Thank you for healing in our bodies, Lord. Thank you that we are the healed of the Lord. First Peter says we're already healed. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Father. We praise you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reminded in my spirit to say something to you that I've said to you in the past, and that is this. Stop seeing yourself as someone who is trying to get healed. The scripture says you are healed by his stripes. So you are already healed. The devil wants to keep you sick. Don't let him take your healing away from you. Amen. You are the healed of the Lord. Thanks once again for tuning in 
to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.